Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bear of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Thank you, Madam Chair. Commissioner Gramaglia, I'm looking at your, your presented statement, sir. Say you support confiscating guns from individuals determined to be a threat to themselves or others. Determined to be. So by this legislation my colleagues are putting forth, my understanding of the, of the letter of that law, which I 1,000% oppose, as would our founding fathers, the letter of that law says an anonymous tip from a citizen. So if this was law, Commissioner, would you confiscate, would you go to your neighbor's home and confiscate his legally owned weapons, a man that was not under criminal investigation nor under arrest? Would you do it? The red flag laws would. That's a yes or no, brother. I got five minutes to make an hour and a half statement here. It's more than a yes or no answer. It we'll move on then. A, it would if, you can't, if you cannot say yes, you would confiscate weapons from an American citizen that was subject to this law that my colleagues intend to push through this Congress, then you, and you said in your statement that you would confiscate those weapons if an American was determined to be, your quote, a threat to themselves or others. According to that law, determined to be is defined by an anonymous tip that an American citizen a threat to themselves or others. You're a police commissioner a thin blue line brother, sworn to uphold the Constitution, and you're saying you'd seize those weapons. I see that as a problem. I'm going to bring us back in time to World War II. America's population, 140 million. 15 million American men came home from World War II with deep scars and significant skills. They bore the invisible wounds of war, and there was weapons everywhere. We're talking about mental challenge. My father was one of those men who was a Navy pilot in World War II. He came back from the war and built his family on the seventh of his eight children. I was born in 1961. We had guns everywhere. There was virtually no regulation. Any child in the 50s could buy a weapon from any seller if daddy sent them with the money. We didn't have mass shootings. It wasn't until 1968 in America that serial numbers were even required on weapons sold in this country. You order weapons through the Sears catalog by the mail. In 19, in the 70s, I attended a high school, large rural school, virtually Every vehicle in the parking lot was a pickup truck, and almost every one had a rifle or a shotgun on the back glass and a pistol in under the seat. And we didn't have school shootings. 1979, I began college. One of the jobs I had to work my way through college was as a carpenter. We restored historical buildings. We had to determine in the process of that work what was the original cuts of these these homes, residential homes, built 75, 85, 100 years ago. You could tell by the saw cut if it was a mechanical cut, an electric cut, or a hand cut. 
by such observations, we knew exactly how that house was originally built. And to my amazement as a young man, beginning college in Louisiana, working, to my amazement, you know what I discovered, Madam Chair? You know what these houses did not have that were built a hundred years ago in cities in America? You know what they did not have, Commissioner? Locks. Locks. Now I ask you all, what happened to that country, man? A country where homes were built in cities with no locks. A country where guns were everywhere and virtually not regulated at all. Where millions of Americans, 14 million Americans came back. It's 11% of the population at the time, after World War II, with incredible skills of war and weapons of war, as you called them, everywhere. But we didn't have mass shootings. And here we sit today, where an entire once proud Democratic Party is pre presenting unbelievably unconstitutional laws to press upon our nation, and we have a police commissioner that says he would go home to home and confiscate legally owned weapons if he got a tip. Madam Chair, I yield my speech, but I will not yield my opposition to these unconstitutional laws. All right. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Wherever you are in the world, my name is Josh. This is the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. Live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That was Representative Clay Higgins right there on uh, red flag gun laws. And I've been warning about this for a very, very long time that they're going to be coming for our guns. And obviously we have the 120-day period that started yes, uh, two days ago with the new pistol regulations that were pushed down from the executive branch into the ATF, did not even go through Congress. Uh, you know, you, you pass red and go straight to jail on that one. And red flag gun laws, here's the thing, is they couldn't push them through federal legislation, so they're pushing them through the states. States already have this. It was uh, two years ago in the state of Maryland. An anonymous tip came in that a gun owner was going to hurt himself and his family. There was a, um, a raid by police officers, or no-knock, basically warrants, and uh, the guy thought he was being robbed, came out there, started shooting, and the cops killed him. The guy did nothing wrong. The only thing that was wrong was a disgruntled neighbor who didn't like him and didn't like his guns. Or at least that's what we learned from the situation. Now, think about how this unfolds. As more and more red flag gun laws get implemented throughout this country. But by the way, which are highly unconstitutional. Okay. We're about to see police officers enforce these. And that's a police commission right there saying that absolutely 100% he would enforce that. Now, how many other cops out there would enforce that? Not saying all cops are good. Not saying all cops are bad. But most of them, they want a paycheck. They want to go home to their family. Now, if we see what's coming in the bigger picture, social and cultural destabilization, which is far underway right now. Think about this for a moment. We've had massive layoffs coming the last six to eight months. They're going to continue the next six to eight months. More and more people are going to become unemployed. Finding income is going to become an incredibly difficult job. The people who will be well-employed are skilled labor forces. They're 
these are the types of people, right? One of those skilled labor forces are police officers. Do you think times an economic downturn? When the country is in a recession heading towards a depression, that a police officer is going to risk feeding his family, housing his family, his paycheck, his job, his career, by disobeying a direct order. Now, there's great guys out there, and we saw this in the military with the vaccine. We saw this with tons of people within their own workplace standing up to their convictions. And so, yeah, there's going to be some, but not all. Now, I've always said this. This isn't going to be one fell swoop in the middle of the night. What this is going to be is randomly red flag gun laws, and it's got to be an anonymous tip. Here's the thing is they don't even have to prove that tip in a court of law. They don't. And so it can just be like, oh, hey, uh, you know, FBI undercover agent Jim over here calls up the local PD and says, da 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 this address hangs up, done. And this is how the deep state works. This is how they begin to take people out. Now, who would they start with? They would start with middle-level people, people who are very well-connected, most likely upper echelon people that are connected to militia groups and these types of people. Why? Because these are the middlemen for organization. And during a time of crises, these are the people that are going to bring together small militias and armies. They're going to unite people. That's who they'll go after. And I'm telling you, this day is coming. And you'll see it spread for like a three or four or five month period and you won't even know it. It's going to be like the food processing, manufacturing, and distribution facilities that are all burning down. You're going to see it like this. Middle of the night, people are going to get swatted. People are going to, you know, blaze of glory or get arrested. And you're never going to hear about it. The news and the mainstream media are not going to report on it. I guarantee you it's already happening now. Now, I foresee martial law coming. I really do. Um, And the reason I do is because things are moving to a point of chaos. And if we understand anything about the deep state, the cabal, is their plan is falling apart right now and they need chaos to restore the order because they control the chaos to a certain degree of which allows them to implement their order, problem, reaction, solution. And so this is coming down the road, guys. And I don't want to be a you know bear of doom and gloom and Mr. Fearmonger over here, but I think we all see the writing on the wall. It's funny, I got a brick wall in front of me and, you know, the writing on the wall, Pink Floyd, the wall. Mother, should I trust the government? No, you shouldn't. And you never should. And you should never give them anything. (laughs) Especially your trust. You know, as we look at the party politics and we want to sit there and go, oh, you know, rhinos are bad and the DNC's bad. And I think Americans right now are learning that All politicians, to a certain degree, can be controlled and corrupted. And that with the RNC vote that just came out, the Rasmussen poll we saw showed Mike Lindell had the overwhelming majority of Republicans wanting him to be the new chairman. Well, the 118 votes came out, he only got four votes. Why is that? Because it's a rigged rigged election with the electors within the RNC. They don't give a shit. They're going to select who they want to select, not who the people in the Republican Party want. That should tell you all you need to know about both political wings. Is It's not just rhinos. They would all sell you out to save themselves. They will all sell you out for a little bit more power, a little bit more money. That's why they seek those positions. 
Are there some good people? Yes, there is some good people. I'm not going to lie. But the majority, they don't care about you. They don't care about me. And what they're there to do is implement the agenda. No matter how hard it's going to get on us, their job is to keep on implementing the agenda. I mean, just, just think about this for a minute. We have a sitting U.S. president, Joe Biden, who stole an election, was selected into his place, immediately killed the economy his first month in office, exasperated a fake pandemic to killing actual real people, has one of the worst foreign policies in the world, killed 13 soldiers over in Afghanistan during a freaking botched pullout, basically created the whole war with Ukraine and Russia, killed U.S. energy independence, and now this son of a bitch has got classified documents everywhere. We're seeing the money trail. He's corrupt. He's sold out. And what's happening? Well, we're going to investigate him. We're, we're going to get a committee together and we're going to look into this. If this was you or me, we'd already be behind fucking bars. It'd be guilty till proven innocent. And this is how I know Joe Biden's going to get off with a slap on the hand. This is how I know that most likely what they'll do is they'll ask him to step down and he'll say, because of my health, (laughs) I'm going to step down. Or they'll 25th Amendment him. Either way, he won't see jail time. He'll be dead before he sees jail time. But do you understand that we have people who have literally produce treason against this country. And they're sitting in the highest office of the land. They're making decisions, signing bills that are unconstitutional that affect you and me. They have their fingers on the nuke codes. They can start a war. They already have. They can cause you to go bankrupt. They already have. And it's not just Biden or Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or James Biden. It's all of them. Every single one. Anybody who gets in that position, if you're a good guy, you're going to get destroyed. They're going to try to ruin you either the best they can with the mainstream media and through the public narrative. Financially, they'll come after your family. Or they'll put a bullet in your head like they did the JFK. Either way, if you're a good guy and you get into that office, they will take you out one way or another. And then they will put someone in that they trust and it's business as usual. Until all the secrets and all this information starts flowing on that person, they abandon them, liability, and they select somebody else to go in there. But the agenda must go on. And we must look at the agenda that's at hand. We must look at what they're trying to do. Why all these small little chips away at the foundation of what is America? See, 
For a long time, this country was free. Free didn't mean that we had a Bill of Rights that protected us or that God gave us these inherent rights. Free meant that we went out there and expressed them. Free meant that we decided to move west. We got caravans of people together and we migrated west over the passages. We found land on the way, claimed it, staked it, built on it. We produced agriculture across this country. We mined the hills for gold and silver, hoping one day to be rich. We built entire towns, cities, and states because of freedom. Because people had the freedom to go and do what they want, to express their God-given liberties. You don't have freedom unless you use it. And see, America used to be free. It used to be that place where people could go out there and truly be themselves. But that involved a massive, massive amount of discipline, amount of pain, suffering, But see, the Industrial Revolution came, and we got soft, and we stopped paying attention to what was happening in Washington, D.C., because we were too busy working in the factory, working the farm. And we allowed the one thing, the one thing that would destroy us and kill us to enter into this country, and that was a central bank. Many presidents before tried to stop it. Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, tried to stop it. You know, we, we talk about the 13 Illuminati bloodlines. And this is, this is, this is where I, I, I stray away from this idea that has been perpetuated within um, a lot of the conspiracy community. And don't hate me for saying this, but it's Christian-oriented. That everybody who has power at that level of these, these what we call the Illuminati families, is evil. Did, did you know that Teddy Roosevelt was funded by John Jacob Astor? That John Jacob Astor most likely had something to do with Garfield's assassination so that Teddy Roosevelt could come in and be president. Because they didn't like what he was doing. These families controlled America during this time. Okay? But guess what? They controlled America. They loved America. They wanted America to grow, to thrive. They loved freedom. They didn't want European or British influence in this country. When Teddy Roosevelt left, he handed the the reins over to Howard Taft, Bill Clinton's uncle, who immediately went from conservative to progressive and started implementing policies all over the place. The Republican Party came out and said, what are you doing? He goes, I don't care. I'm president. I can do whatever I want. Teddy Roosevelt comes back from Africa, steaming. He couldn't win the Republican nomination because Taft was the incumbent, so he went out there and created the Bull Moose Party, ran as a third party. And this caused Woodrow Wilson to actually win the election. This is when Yeah, this is when elections were really being stolen. Now, 
Why did they want Wilson in there? Well, they wanted a centralized bank. They wanted a Federal Reserve. And Wilson was directly connected. He was a socialist. But here's the problem. In order to implement a central bank in the United States during that time, you had to get the approval of the top families. The Carnegies, the Fords, the Warburgs, the Morgans, the, the Vanderbilts, the Astors, the Roosevelts. Well, many of these, the Guggenheims, many of these families didn't want anything to do with it. And so J.P. Morgan said, hey, let's talk about this. Guggenheim and, and Astor, why don't you guys join me in London for the maiden voyage of the Titanic? And we can all have a drink on the way back and discuss this. And he bought 12 tickets. And only two people showed up because the other 10 were told not to go. Guggenheim and Astor are the ones that showed up. They got on the Titanic and they set sail for the United States of America and they died. And John Jacob Astor was pushed out of the way. And less than what? A few weeks later, the Federal Reserve Act passed. Because that was the opposition. See, the United States politics have been controlled by ruling elite families and corporations since its inception. Since its frigging inception. Like, no, that's not true, Josh. That, that's not true. Yeah, very true. You want me to show you how true it was? Alexander Hamilton was 19 years old at the time the United States was founded. Okay? He was critical component in the formation of this country. Now, one thing that people don't understand is that in the formation of this country after the Declaration of Independence is that the country needed funding. They no longer had the Bank of England. They needed funding. How did the United States of America in its pre-U.S. days get funding? They got it through the French and private corporations. What was one private corporation that they got funding through? Well, it just so happens that it was a company that Alexander Hamilton's uncle from the House of Hamilton was a member of the board of directors. Does anybody know what company that was? Well, how about this? And tell me if you recognize anything. Here's their flag. Interesting flag, isn't it? This company right here is one of the main financiers of the United States of America. How many stripes? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 stripes. That company's called the East India Company. They went out of business in 1871. Wait. Act of 1870? Wait a minute. Do these things start to ring a bell here? How do they make their money? Opium and slave trade. These are the dark roots that people don't want to talk about in the United States of America. But this is the truth. They don't talk about this in school because you don't need to know. But this country, since its inception, has been bought and paid for and controlled by very, very high and powerful people who did not want to be part of this sick, 
demented and twisted control faction that had dominated the world for a long time. The, the, the madness that derives out of the Vatican. The black Italian nobility. I've said this since the beginning. This is the War of the Roses. This is all of these big families fighting each other for power and control. And right now we are in this transitional period where they're fighting for power and control once again. And there's some new names at the table, but either way, they're all still at the table. This is a multi-headed hydra, and they're all trying to eat each other. But there's one thing they've all agreed on. Is that in order to go forth into the future, you have to change the political and economic landscape of the global community. You have to implement new levels of power and constraint on the people. The population's getting too large, too many people to feed. And by the way, with 8 billion people on this planet, I'm not going to lie. If you actually look at the numbers in the sense of production, is, is it becomes incredibly difficult to feed that many people. I get like, well, we have so much excess, you know, I'm throwing out platefuls of food here in the United States. Yeah, that's in the United States. You can't get that food necessarily to, you know, Africa or South America. But there becomes these problems with the sense of production. Adequate farmland. The cycling of farmland. Not only that, as they've exasperated the soils and contaminated all this shit with their, their hybrid seeds and their freaking chemical fertilizers, as well as their pesticides. No wonder why they're trying to push for population control. But I believe that when you start looking at this situation, you start seeing that it's like good guys and bad guys, white hats and black hats, that at the very, very top level of both of those sides, they've all come to the, at least the, the understanding agreement that you have to collapse the economy and you have to kill the Western governments. And that what we're seeing right now, I believe, is Russia led to the slaughter, my honest opinion. Yes, Russia is with the BRICS nations. There's, there's a massive economic and military alliance formulating right now with the BRICS nations. What is going to happen is, most likely, it's going to be World War III. The West is going to lose. Russia and China will triumph. And then China and Russia will either go to a Cold War against each other or China will just annihilate Russia. Why? Because that's what happened the last time. Remember, Russia was fighting Germany. The Allies came in, won the war, took all the Nazis over to them, and then we went immediately into a Cold War with our ally during World War II. Yeah, water wars are coming too, aren't they, Roxy? Water wars are coming. But like, dude, there's so much water on this planet. Yes, but do you know how much energy it takes to evaporate that water and make cl clean water? My house is right next to a big old pond. I'll be fine. Colorado River is drying up because we're selling it all to UAE and Saudi Arabia and China. I didn't know where I was going to go with this show tonight, but I think that it was a good start. Because what we begin to see is that, honestly, in this world, you can't trust anybody. Never believe anything anybody tells you, no matter who they are. 
what authority they possess or profess unless you can prove it through your own research, your own inquiry, your own investigation, and through your own volition. And I don't care who they are. I don't care what stature they have in this community or what community it might be. At the end of the day, the game that is played right now in this world is money and power. You'd be like, well, dude, I don't care too much about money or power. Yeah, that's why you're where you're at. That's why you are where you're at. And I'm not saying I'm sitting here playing this game of money and power. I'm here to fucking expose it. I'm not here to get rich. I'm not here to gain power. I'm here to tell the truth as I understand it and know it. That's, that's the heart of the matter. See, in life, as you direct your life outwardly and you, you come into adulthood, you have two choices. You have a fork in the road, two doors of opportunity. You can take the set path of going down skilled labor or an education and go out there and go into the workforce and work for somebody else. You can go out there and take the shot and say, you know what, I'm just going to see what happens and find out where I end up. Or you can say, you know what, I want to find purpose. I want to find meaning. The hell am I here for? What's this all about? And you look deep down inside yourself and you discover a passion. Art, painting, music, speaking, oration, writing, creating content, videos, computer programming, gaming, whatever it might be. And you begin to do it. And at first you're not there for money or power. You're not there for gain, but for for, for self-fulfillment, for, for to feel a sense of accomplishment and happiness within your own life. And you drive through it and all of a sudden, you're earning a living at it. All of a sudden, it's transformed the whole landscape of your life. And you couldn't imagine doing anything else. You know, when I was younger, my father used to tell me this story of ancient Rome. He'd be like, Joshua. I'm like, yeah, dad. Like, you know, in ancient Rome, the educated people would only work one to two months out of the year. I'm like, what? How, how How did they do that? Taxes were high in Rome. Because what they did was in such high demand. They had knowledge, wisdom, And for two months out of the year, they would share it with the people. They would write. They would go out and do oration. They would give philosophical speeches. They'd go to a university and teach. They'd go to the community and bring everybody in and show them. Or maybe it was skilled labor, blacksmith, whatever it might have been. They only worked when they wanted to. From the money they made, they were able to sustain the lifestyle. It was a different system back then, but still. It gives you an idea that they focused more on purpose and meaning of their actions than the survivability within the system. And see, what we have here right now in this world, the fucking illusion 
that is being sold to everybody around the world is that if you go out there and you work really, really hard and, and, and you apply yourself, and you go out there and bend your fucking knee to some corporation or some government that you'll be rewarded for it after 30 years and you'll be able to retire with millions of dollars in your bank account because of a 401k or because of your investment portfolio. And if you're one of the lucky ones, if you're one of the one or 2%, you'll make it. You'll make it big. You'll have your own company. You'll, have, you'll go to the top. That's not the fucking American dream. That's the illusion they sold you. The American dream is discipline. It's structure. It's organization. It's focus and concentration. Every single one of them are a mental faculty that you develop within yourself. Every single one of them, when applied towards a task, will always end up in accomplishment. That right there, that little thing, that's the American dream. Because if you do that well, if you do that process well, you get your time back. You get to, you get to choose what you want to do. In the world. Okay, I disagree, Josh, that that was the elites in Rome. Those people who worked three months of the year lived out the backs of slaves and serfs. Um, Yes and no. I mean, Greece, Rome, whatever. That's why I just said it was a different system. And not necessarily off the back of slaves and serfs. They weren't collecting taxes. They would take in donations from the people and it would be the slaves and the serfs because they would want knowledge and those people who were educated would give them the knowledge and they would in turn give them that money and so they would go out there and they would only do that one to three months a year you can look it up There's, I, 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 you can read it in the republic you can read it in, in a lot of different uh works um but when we come in here and we start looking at this system Look at some of the people who've been successful in life, who've made it to the top and now sit at these points of power. I was talking about Ray Kurzweil yesterday. The guy, the guy who's like, he's a thought leader in the world and he's a genius. He's not, he's a fucking idiot. The guy, the guy built some cool electronic devices. Great. Can you? Damn right you can. If you applied yourself, you put the focus, the concentration, the mental discipline, you, you, you had the, the organization and the structure. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, my, my screen locked up. This OBS is starting to piss me off. But this is what I'm saying. Is he's not that smart of a guy, but now he stands up in that stature. He's the stature of the people who are thought leaders in this country. Do you think Klaus Schwab is a highly intelligent human being, like genius level? No. He was a, a guy that was at the right, t- right place at the right time for the right fucking thing. To be told what to do and rose up through the ranks and now is this person. He's the one that bent over, took it in the ass, and liked what he was told. Same thing with uh, Yuval Noah Harari. Bent over, took it in the ass, liked what he was told, and now does what he's told. These aren't thought leaders. These aren't leaders of any level, shape, or form. These aren't people that are living the dream of humanity. These are controlled actors within a play that is unfolding before your eyes. 
orchestrated at the highest level by people who know exactly what I'm talking about. People who have controlled, dominated, and dictated this world for a very, very long time. And what they're trying to do is maintain the illusion. They're trying to maintain the illusion for you and I. Because if we ever wake up to the truth, their day of reckoning will come. And this is what is meant by what we call the Great Awakening. Now, we can sit here and, and smile and, and say, yeah, you know, the, the big flash and ascension and all this other stuff. Great. The end of the day, the Great Awakening is about waking up to the fucking truth. And the truth is a hard pill to swallow. Now, it doesn't mean that we live in Satan's world or any of this other stuff. What it means is, is that your entire life has been a lie. From the moment you were born, you were indoctrinated into a system. And yes, I don't care if you're right, left, I don't care if you're Christian or atheist. You were put into a system. Everybody has a system. There's a system of society and how it operates. There's a class system. There's the wealthy, the middle class, and the poor. Every single one of them had a, has a set of attributes that are brought into that system that formulate the people that make up that system. And at the time that you're born, you're indoctrinated with those attributes of that system. The schools you go to are pertinent to what? Where you're at in that system. The education and the knowledge that you're given is pertinent to what? That system. Where you end up after your education is pertinent to what? That system. If you don't know there's a system, you're a slave to it. And the people at this level and about halfway through this level, they don't even realize there's a system. They don't even realize they're indoctrinated. They don't even realize they're slaves. You know, I, I like writing. I think everybody understands that I like writing. There's a shirt out there that I made. And it's like one of my favorite shirts, even though it's kind of like long in what it's saying. And I'm going to pull this up here. And on the front, it gives a definition of slave. And on the back, it gives a definition of freedom. But I want you to listen to what the definition of slave really is here. When one involuntarily, forcibly, or through their own ignorance and allows an external force or information to dominate and control their thoughts, actions, and reality. Isn't that profound? Involuntarily, forcefully, or through your own ignorance. Now, the ignorance can be stated because... At the time of your nescience, at the time that you are a little child and you're being indoctrinated into that system, you're nescient of it. But it was the ignorance of your parents that allowed you to be indoctrinated in that system. But then you came into being, you came into adulthood, you came into a person who could think for themselves. And guess what? You chose to stick with that system because it was easy that you conformed to it. 
And every single one of those external systems are controlled and dominated by some higher power faction. And we can sit here and go, well, God, you know, God's my system. No. The, the system of God that we understand right now on this planet, religion, to, to, to believe for a minute that we could understand something that is infinite, absolute totality, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. We can't, even, we can't even encapsulate that in our mind, let alone capture it within a doctrine. And I'm not attacking anybody here. I'm just saying is we know very little about this world, about this universe, about reality. And that if there's a system out there that you're devoted to, that you're, you're dedicated to, go back and read that. When one involuntarily, forcefully, or through their own ignorance allows an external force or information to dominate and control their thoughts, actions, and reality. So what's freedom? The power and ability of an individual to discipline their mind to the obtainment of their own evolution, progress, and development without external interference. I'll say that again. The power and ability of an individual to discipline their mind in the obtainment of their own evolution, progress, and development without external interference. Now, and I'm not trying to attack anybody here. What I'm trying to say is this. Romans 12, 2. Do not be controlled by the powers external to you. Be renewed within your own mind. You have to break the chains of the system. We have to stop aligning Democrat, Republican, this is my party. That's your party. These are my views. These are your views. Half the shit the Republican Party puts out there as policy, I agree 20 to 30% with. I'm more libertarian anarchist. Reason I say that is because I don't want government. I don't want any government. I want zero government. I don't like government. Why? Because power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And there's always this, this kind of bell curve or this exponential progression towards absolute power. It always happens. Look at history. And it doesn't matter if it's political, governmental, religious. It happens in all of them. We have to discipline our minds. We have to have hyper critical discernment and analysis of the information that is coming into our senses. Break the fucking chains of your mental slavery. Isn't that what Bob Marley said? Break the chains of mental slavery. Nobody but yourself can free your mind. What did he mean? Stop adhering to a system that was developed to control you. Doesn't mean systems are bad. 
Doesn't mean that systems can't provide a foundation. But don't be reactive to the system that you exist in. Government is a... Government, human beings interacting with government, that's a reactive system. I don't influence government. Our votes don't count or matter. The calls that we make to congressmen or the letters we write to the Supreme Court don't fucking matter one bit. But if the government does something, we react. That's a reactive system. It's reactive because that system has control over the state of your freedom, your well-being, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Those are chains of bondage. Just like the 13th Amendment states, a human being can exist, cannot exist in a state of slavery or involuntary servitude. But it does not state, what it does not state is what is important. If I said that you cannot exist in a state of slavery or indentured or involuntary servitude, that means that you can exist in a state of freedom or voluntary servitude. And 90%, 99% of this planet exists in a state of voluntary servitude with the chains and the shackles tied to the systems that control them, that they were indoctrinated to. Because... That indoctrination, whatever it might have been, political, cultural, social, it's so deeply ingrained within us. It's what we believe to be our culture. It's what we believe to be our rituals. But is it? I can use religion as a great example of this. We can talk about 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea, Emperor Constantine losing control of his vast empire that spans thousands of miles in each direction. His governors and his generals are stealing his tax revenue and he wants to figure out a way to constrain the people to pay him the taxes and have control over them. He gets together his religious leaders. They all begin to talk and communicate and collaborate. And they all say, well, why don't we formulate one religion of Rome? Put Rome under this umbrella of just one religion. And a few of the people chime in and say, but wait, but wait. Rome has a vast history of multiple religions, of multiple deities and gods. What about the traditions and the rituals? Those people will revolt because they are cast within those systems. They're geographically centered within those systems. We can't make this transition fast. And they came up with the idea. Let's select one. And have that one adopt the rituals, the customs, and the traditions of all the rest. We'll implement those rituals, customs, traditions, even the mythology into the new one. We'll pull all the truth and the knowledge out there that frees the mind from the bondage. And then we'll distribute our people who are versed in this knowledge to teach it to the people that have their own thoughts and beliefs. And when they hear, 
hey, this is just like my story. This is like the story of Mithras. This is like the story of of Saturn. Or this is like the story of... of fuck, give me another Roman god. <laughs> Minerva. Or whatever it might be. When they see, oh, the, that, that holiday falls right along line with the holiday of agriculture, of the flying of Odin through the sky. Oh, this makes so much sense. Oh, yeah, like, oh, this is cool. I like this story. Because it aligned with their customs and their traditions and their rituals. With their indoctrinations. And here we are. 1,700 years later. And, and, and it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed one bit. And that system has been replicated over and over and over again. You wake up in the morning, you get ready, you go out there, you take your shower, you put your leg on, put your, put your pants on one leg at a time. You get ready for the cold weather, you start the car to heat it up. You go to the kitchen, you get your cup of coffee or your, your mocha loco frate latte, or you go get your water or whatever it might be, or your tea or your, your mud shake, I don't know. You grab a little bite to eat, you head out the door, you get in your car and you drive to work. And wherever your work is, don't know, but you're there for a set period of time and you work for the man. Receiving a paycheck from them. And every hour of work that you give them, you're helping them, the rich, the wealthy, that person who owns that business obtain their dreams, their goals, their desires, their passions, and they're paying you that bribe to forget about yours. And you think government's any different. Every policy, every rule, every law that they bring in the power do not benefit you. Benefits them. It benefits them because you know what? Some foreign country, entity, organization, or corporation promised them something. AOC, $7.5 million of net worth in less than four years in Congress. Marjorie Taylor Greene has increased her net worth by over $9 million since she's been in Congress. Lauren Boebert increased her net worth by over $3 million since she's been in Congress but they're working for you. They love you. It's a fucking illusion. It's all one big illusion. And it's meant to trick you. It's like the entrance to Solomon's temple. Jacqueline and Boaz. The two cherubim that stand there guarding the doorway and say, I have here my flaming sword, but I shall, I shall use my weapon of trickery, of illusion. So you shall not see or find the truth. Jacqueline Boaz. See it for yourself with your own eyes. Wake up to the system that has been constructed around you and dismantle it. Tear down the system of indoctrination, of lies. We talked about this, Vince and I, a while back talking about specifically is right now we live in a country where they are well that's weird hold on one second system man i must have pissed some people off <laughs> anyways 
So we were talking about this, and specifically what it was is I lost my trade of thought, and I don't even fucking remember what I was saying now. I, I looked at something on the screen. I'm like, shit, squirrel. It'll come back to me. I was trying to, oh, man. I was going off about MTG, MTG Bo, uh, Bobert, AOC. Man, what was it? Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. The system, right. It'll come back. Anyways. There is a construct that we live in. Every day. You are taking part in that system. I'm not telling you to go out and quit your job. I'm not telling you to just give it all up, to stop playing the game. But you have to realize that the game is being played. You have to realize that you are an integral part of that game. You have to see the illusion just like Neo did in the movie The Matrix. He gets shot three times, doesn't believe he can die, wakes up and sees the digital construct around him. I believe, actually, I, I don't believe. I know God. And I say that with the utmost confidence. And see, I don't say I believe in God. And this is because I, I've i thought about this before. I, I actually have journal entries where I talk about belief or believing. And that belief is a doubt. That believe, belief is misleading. That we should never believe in anything. We should either know or have a doubt. And there's certain things in our reality, in our life, that we know. I know God. And I know that many of you out there know God. And God is expansive, infinite. We, we can't even... We can't even create a word to con contain what it is. I hope you understand that. That we cannot find one word to describe it. It's like the word nothing. You see, nothing doesn't exist. So you can't define it because if you define it, now it exists. And so, because it never existed, right? We can't define it because it's never existed. And since it never existed, that means that everything has always existed. But now you try to use that same logic to encapsulate everything. You can't find a word to define that. What is everything? Well, you, you can't even conceive of it. This is the logic that I use of, of, of knowing God. Because I can understand the simple things here at this level. Then I can extrapolate that to the higher things. And I'm not here to bash anybody. I'm not here to tell you that your belief or your religion or your politic or whatever is wrong or right. 
That's not my job. I'm, I'm just sitting here telling you what I feel, what I think, what I know. Don't attack me thinking that my words are directed at you. Because the one beautiful thing about all of this is that when we express our freedoms, we can move mountains. We can change the world. And right now, if, if, you're, if you're like, you've been listening to this show every night for years and you're like, now you're like, this mother, this mother son of a bitch is, is, is attacking my faith or attacking my, my conservative party or MTG or how dare you, Josh? Now go back to what I just talked about reaction, about being reactive to your environment. If you're reacting to that environment, the environment has a mechanism of control over you. The system has a point of control over you. Does it not? If fire shoots out of a stove and burns you and you react, does that fire have a power over you? Damn right it does. It can hurt you physically and burn you and kill you. We're taught to react to stimulus within the environment. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But when that system is manipulated to control you to when they can throw little stimulus out there little things out there to where that reaction is emotional or mental and you react to it you're only benefiting them not yourself you know, this is one thing i actually do is before you say something before you speak, in your mind, you're organizing those thoughts, right? And the one thing that I do before I blurt it out is I say, are the words and the thoughts and the ideas that are coming out of my mouth next a reaction to something that was just said? A reaction to my environment, a reaction to somebody. Or is it something creative upon the information that I have received? Have I taken in the information, filtered it, processed it, analyzed it, and went, huh, okay, boom, here's my thought. If you watch that Flat Earth conversation with Nathan, Patrick, and myself and David, that was 100% completely reactive, and that's exactly what happened and what Nathan wanted. I don't, I don't think Nathan is incredibly intelligent, but I think Nathan knows one thing, and that's how to get a rise out of somebody, how to touch those primal emotional centers and get people to react to him. Because if you're in a state of reaction, higher cognitive thought goes away. And though, therefore, he, knowing he's controlling the situation, can rise above that and work his magic. Cultural conditioning, that's right. Now think about that. How many times a day is that happening in your life? 
How many times a day is one of your coworkers coming up to you and be like, Hey, Mary, how are you doing today? Hey, you know, I, I was thinking, I think you need some more sunshine. You know, we got this cubicle over there that's empty. I, maybe you should go over there and, and uh, you know, ask the boss if you can switch cubicles to that one over there. Oh, no, I'm, I'm fine over here. That's, I'm fine over here. Oh, Mary, are you sure? Oh, yeah, man, I'm fine over here. And Mary starts thinking about him like, oh, hey, you know, I could actually use some sunshine. Oh, I, I wouldn't mind some sunshine. Next day, she sees this person, goes up there and says, you know, I went in and talked to the boss and I said, hey, I, I, I kind of want that cubicle because uh, I'd like some more sunshine. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. And what did the boss say? Well, the boss said that they would think about it. Now, this person goes into the boss's office and says, I don't understand what's going on. Last week, I came in and told you I wanted to move to that cubicle, and you said, no, I can't. I had to stay in mind. But now Mary comes in, and Mary wants to move that cubicle, and you're going to consider it? Hmm. It's a reactive environment, isn't it? Manipulation. That's how it works. Everything that we're seeing right now coming through the news circuit. Metabiota, Hunter Biden, 20,000 documents by Russian, uh, Russian MOD, Ukraine biolabs. Understand that this is in the alternative media narrative. It's good information. It's information to know. But when you hear it, what happens in here and in here? You feel it. You react to it. Interesting. You go to Joe Biden's emails, classified documents. You react to it. See, we need to pay more attention to what we react to in our environment. Because when we make that mental habit, that discipline of watching what's coming in our senses, of things that are trying to manipulate us, the information that's trying to manipulate us, we begin that first step to freedom. Of what Bob Marley said, break the chains of mental, of mental slavery. Nobody but you can free your mind. And here's the thing. Not everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's going to be successful. It's hard. That's the point. We're here right now in this world at this point in time, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Because we were chosen. We, were, we either chose or were chosen to be here for this difficult task that is happening. We can sit here and go, you know, reality's an illusion, man. It doesn't really matter. Just meditate and smoke some weed and be at peace and one with everything. 
We can say, fuck the whole thing, burn it down, house of cards, I'm drinking whiskey. Say, you know what, damn it, I'm getting organized. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to I'm gonna get this person elected to the school board and I'm going to investigate these people. I'm going to do this and, and I'm going to get up on my podium and I'm going to shout at the top of my lungs. I'm going to get active. I'm going to get engaged. Or you can sit back and learn the game. Watch. Observe. We had a discussion today. On Earth Chronicles, it was myself, David Whitehead, and uh, uh, Matt Presty. And uh, what a great show. If you guys got a chance, please go watch that. Great show today. And so, what's interesting about this was... I want to bring up something. What's interesting about this is a lot of this actually came up with Freedom. And we were going back and forth and talking about various aspects of freedom. We were talking about Gnosticism. We were talking about Hermeticism. We were talking about the difference between the two. Gnosticism, if if, if you guys don't know what Gnosticism is, I highly recommend that you look into it, that you research it. Especially, especially if you're Christian. The original Christians, during the original Christians were primarily Gnostics. Now, Gnosticism has been around for a very long time. Now, what do the Gnostics believe? They believe that we're created in an imperfect universe. That the pantheon of gods that existed, one of them, a female, decided to reproduce asexually without the duality. And she gave birth to this hideous monster. But the monster was still a god. And they cast it out of heaven. And it created its own universe. And it's known as the, the Demiurge. And it created a whole pantheon of angels and demons to, to dominate over this called Archons. The God in the Old Testament, Jehovah, is the Demiurge. You get into Kabbalah, you get into occultism, that's Jehovah. That's, that's the Demiurge, the Gnostic God. And this life is about breaking out of it. About finding salvation from the suffering. Because you're in an imperfect universe and the objective is to get out of it. But see, the one key, the one key to freedom is to do exactly with what Jesus said. When thine eye be single, the body shall fill with light. Now there's two lights that we talked about today. There's a low light, a low L light, and there's a capital L light. Light is your soul. When thine eye be single, 
the soul may fully encompass and live within the body. He also said is that the kingdom of heaven is within. The kingdom of heaven is within. We got to stop being controlled by our environment, by the systems that have been placed in front of us, by the indoctrination into these systems, believing that something external to us has power and authority over us. Because then we end up with corrupt governments, corrupt systems, corrupt people. We get taken to the cleaners and all of our wealth taxed away and sent to foreign countries. There's something incredibly beautiful about being human being. The last few days I've been moving a lot. My, my body hurts. I feel 80 and I'm only 40. But there was this sense of gratitude that I had for being, for just being. That if anybody else was put in that situation that I was, they would have had a difficult time. That many people would have failed. And I succeeded where others would have. I moved out an entire 4,000 square foot house by myself, basically. Me and my buddy. But in, in two days. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. Is we have to look at our existential reality and our universe and world around us and understand that it was created as an illusion to teach us a lesson within ourselves and that lesson is the identity of who we are of the discovery of who and what we are and i know this is more of a fringe conversation we're having tonight I got news up here in front of me, and I know a lot of people come here for the news, but you know what? I think that this is sometimes, this is just what people need to hear. People need to hear that it's not about whether we're winning or losing. It's not about the deep state, the cabal against the white hats. It's about you and me waking up to the God's honest truth. That we're partaking in a game. The game is being played around you. And your freedom is the prize. And if you wake up to this game, you can win your freedom. And you might die for that. You might die for that freedom. But at least you'll die with it. Or you can live on your knees to the game, to the system where someone else wins your freedom and you become enslaved, bounded by a digital slave matrix. 
That's the question. What will you choose? So a few announcements. Um, today, I did that show on a, uh, Earth Chronicles. David Whitehead, myself, and Matt Presti. Uh, Matt Presti is absolutely fascinating, by the way. Um, special announcement. Friday night, Conversations on the Fringe. Myself, David Whitehead, and Matt Presti. Going to be a, a killer conversation. Probably more of this, but three people chiming in from, you know, probably over a century of knowledge and research and investigation into a lot of these to- topics. Okay? So please tune into that. That's Friday night. Tomorrow night is Thursday, and we're going to do the Makeup After Dark Q&A. Okay? After Dark Q&A Makeup is tomorrow night. That's on socialredpill.com. Free to sign up. And, uh, you know... Not massively breaking news. I didn't want to go all doom and gloom, but what I wanted to talk about tonight was really the mental component, the mental aspect. Um, A lot of what we do on the Thursday nights or the Tuesday night Q&As is we talk about exactly what April just asked. How do we break out of the matrix? (laughs) That's what we talk about in a lot of those discussions. And we talk about those on Friday night as well, on our Friday night shows. So... I wanted to put that out there. I wanted to say thank you to all of you guys, everybody out there. If you're new here listening, this isn't usually how this show goes. Usually we're going over news and talking about the global narrative and Pearl stringing it together. Um, But I wanted to switch it up tonight because there's a lot of things on my mind. I know there's a lot of things on your mind. And sometimes it's good to peel back away from the drama that we're reacting to in the world and realize what we are actually witnessing and understanding and exposing. Uh, JCMC, I don't know what brand of whiskey yet, but it's, uh, we're calling it uh, Whiskey Friday. <laughs> so all three of us will be drinking Whiskey Friday night. So, um, But yeah, I, I wanted to say thank you to all of you guys out there. Because, you know, one thing that I get to do is I get to do this every night. I get to choose whatever the hell I want to talk about and get out there and just say, speak my mind. And, and don't take what I say as an attack against you or towards you. Because it's not. All I'm simply saying is what it says in Romans 12.2. Go read it if you don't believe me. Do not be controlled by the things that are external to you. But instead use that information to renew your own mind. Grow your own mind. That's what this is about. I was talking to somebody off, uh, um, kind of, I guess, behind the scenes and privately. And, you know, there's a lot of things coming global economic collapse, firestorm event, jackpot, poly crisis, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be a long time in the making. But this group right here, these, these people right here that watch this show. They're not only going to be prepared with extra water, extra food, gold and silver, weapons, understanding how nature operates, but they're going to be prepared up here, mentally, 
emotionally. They're going to have a higher understanding of how the world operates. And that's the beauty of what we do here. Is that we're not just some news broadcast telling you what's happening in the world or what we believe is happening in the world. But instead, we're, we're, we're helping all of us are learning together. This tool set to navigating the new world order. There's going to be a new world order, whether we like it or not. I, I hope everybody understands that. The question is, is will you win your freedom within the battle? Will America retain its sovereignty, its constitution? People are like, man, you know, in the new world order, we're going to lose our constitution. Dude, we fucking lost our constitution in 1871. We lost our constitution in, in, in 1913. Okay? It's been gone a long time. We have the illusion of freedom. Right? The illusion of freedom. If you, if you heard uh, of what I just said, then uh, you probably know what I'm looking for. See if I can find it. Oh. Hold on. See if I can find it. It's four minutes long. Should we play it? I think we should. Facebook's probably not going to like it, but I'm going to play this for you because this is a so, very, very I'm profound video and uh give me a second here we go pass on your work yeah for this was what made you pick me mm. a look in your eye you seem to have half a brain thank you what look that look curious searching unsatisfied slightly pissed off why didn't you pick your daughter Leave it alone. Why do you refuse to talk about her? Leave it. She wants to see you. I say we talk about it. Hmm. What's wrong about you, Jo? Explain that. Something's open this door. You're not the one, Jo. I'm not the one. No. I'm not the one who cut your medication. I'm not the one to say if you're competent for a hearing, a chance of getting out of here. I'm the one eating. I am. I'm the one. One in control, huh? Yes. Who's in control? So, who is in control? Huh? Are you? Am I? The guards outside? The warden in his office? Yeah? Who's in control? Testing, testing, testing. One, two, three, four. Dr. Ethan Powell interviewing Dr. Theo Porter. That was going to be a very simple test. Pass or fail, life or death. Ready, Jean? Now you write on this paper what I have taken from you. What have you lost? Write it! Write it! Rock. Never had 
mind control. You only thought you had it. An illusion, tabby bourgeois. And what do you control, for sure? Huh? The volume in your stereo, the air conditioning in your car? What else? What else? All right. Another chance. You were nervous. Too much pressure. Try again. What have you lost? What did I take? Write it. Write it! Do you think you were free? Where were you going at 2 o'clock today? Into the gym, right? In the morning, your wake-up call. In the middle of the night, when you wake up sweating with your heart pounding. What is it that has you all tied up, Jua? Tied up in little knots? Is it ambition? Yeah. You're no mystery to me, boy. I used to be you. Okay. One last chance. You think I won't do it? <laughs> That's one psychiatrist less in the world. I'm already deep in the pit. So what can they do to me? Last try. Get it right. What have you lost? What did I take from you? Right. Congratulations. Dear student, after all. And you've lost nothing but your illusions and a little bit of skin. You lost nothing but your illusions and a little bit of skin. Yes, you. I'm sorry. Isn't that the truth? That's the world right there. Control? You never had it. Power? Mm-mm. Freedom? Nope. Illusion. The only thing in this world you can lose is your illusions. That's all the time I have with you guys tonight. I hope all of you have a fantastic evening. We're going to be back with you tomorrow with the news and everything else. Don't worry. We'll have all the news of the week. There's just hasn't been room to believe that much, so I like having these conversations. Uh, and don't forget, tomorrow we have the After Dark Chat. Then Friday, Matt Presti, David Whitehead, myself on Fringe. Uh, Dark Delight Show tomorrow. Uh, much love. God bless. Much respect. Gratitude towards you and your family. Take care. Have a good night. Either we will get the full cooperation of other governments to stop this menace, or we will expose every bribe, every kickback, every payoff, and every bit of corruption that is allowing the cartels to preserve their brutal reign. And it is indeed brutal. And uh, they call me Eyepatch McCain. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look. Frankly, uh, if you look at the media, where the media is a closed media, we don't have an open free media anymore. They don't want to hear anything. They don't write about it. It's, a, it's collusive. It's, uh, nobody's ever seen anything like it. It all happened during this period of time. It happened just before the election. They wouldn't talk about certain subjects that you know better than anybody, Michael. And, uh, you know, that's the beginning of communism.